0: Welcome to an encore edition of Ethics and the Naval Warrior. As we get ready to re-engage with the new semester, we thought it's timely to listen to an earlier presentation of Ethics and Cross-Cultural Competence with Naval Academy Professor Dr. Clementine Fujimora. Now is a perfect time to build a deeper appreciation for the complexities of our American culture and your place in it. Welcome to Ethics and the Naval Warrior. I'm your host, Michael Sears. My guest today is a cultural anthropologist and a professor at the Naval Academy. She earned her PhD from the University of Chicago. She has published on topics such as Russian society, military anthropology, and most recently on the culture of veteran well-being. In her spare time, she trains dogs for search and rescue and therapy for hospice. Welcome, Dr. Clementine Fujimura.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: It's great that you're here today. We have a lot to talk about, and our topic is ethics and cross-cultural competence for leaders. Let me ask you first, what do you mean by culture?
1: Okay, so culture is one of those terms that um, we debate about in anthropology, and there are many different ways of defining it. But To me, I think of it as a learned system that we all have, that we're raised with, and that gives meaning to our lives. It's sort of our roadmap. Um it helps us define our reality um, what we perceive as normal and it guides us in our actions and reactions to our environment.
0: I guess you're saying that we all have culture
1: of course yes we're all born in a in an environment with other people we're social beings and our parents and our family raise us to learn how to behave and what's right and what's wrong, or what we think is right and wrong. Um, And then we can find out later that other people have a different experience and might see the world differently, but we all have it as human beings. Yes.
0: So with that said, what does it mean to be cross-culturally competent?
1: So that, to me, is really having some kind of um, knowledge but also, and some maybe some skills, but most importantly, sort of an affect or a motivation um, that helps us um, open up to other people and be able to, um, to adapt culturally in new environments, especially when we're out of our comfort zone and in challenging environments or contexts. So being cross-cultural is really something that we can learn and um and and get along better with other people
0: so cross-culturally or cross-cultural competence is that having a better understanding of different regions is it having linguistic expertise or is it having a better understanding of your own culture or maybe all three
1: Well, all three certainly, but it's not only one of those things. That's what we need to keep in mind. So if I am linguistically very capable and I speak all these different languages, that doesn't mean that I can adapt into any environment. That means I'm good at that one thing. And so it's very knowledge specific. The same with Regional expertise—you might be an expert in the um, in Russia or the former Soviet Union—but that doesn't necessarily give you the skill set to adapt to other cultures and other societies. So, what cross-cultural um, competence gives you? It provides you with some breadth to operate in any culture. Let's say we are in Russia suddenly, we find ourselves in Russia, and um, I have the language skills, well, then I can open up conversations to learn more about their behaviors, about the norms, about the rituals or traditions, the mindset and I will be able to take that in and be open to it. Um, so language is certainly a facilitator, um, but it's not always necessary. For we can go to England and um, we'll speak English, but that's a completely different culture. Um, so it's nice to have the language skills um, because it opens you up, um, but it's not the only thing that you need. I think you need to have a certain mindset or an affect or be be excited about being opening. Up to or opening up to other people and learning more about why they do what they do.
0: Can you can you practice that competence at home, be it England or even the US?
1: I think that's a great just a great question because I think often we think, well, I have to learn study what culture is and I have to study um, these you know regional Expertise classes. We have to take political science because I need to know about culture if I find myself abroad. But actually, um, what I like to teach at, in my classes in anthropology is that we can just look next to next next to us and see who's sitting next to us and say, "Hey, that person comes with a completely different outlook, possibly, um, because within our within our country, within our region, even within our city." We can find cultural diversity, and we don't have to go, you know, to the Middle East to find that. Um, in fact, I enjoy taking my students on field trips and going places. When I used to take my students to Brighton Beach in New York, or to, you know, Chinatown, or um, and those are very specified. We now know we're entering a different zone. But another great place to go is, for example, to just go to St. John's, um, and you'll find that. People there have different goals in life probably than we do at the Naval Academy and a different outlook and come with a whole set of different you know, ideas and possibly different culture.
0: And probably one of the biggest tools you use in those cases is not necessarily your Your voice, but your ears or your eyes uh, so you can listen and see what's going on. Oh,
1: you got it. So um, if I can just speak a little to anthropology, um, which is my field, um, you know, I love I love the field because it's something that you can that you can use as a tool uh, in everyday life. And the big thing you do is this thing called fieldwork, which involves participant observation. And that is where you immerse yourself in a new setting. Um, but you also step back and you observe and you think about what you see and you digest it. It's even better if at the end of the day you go home and you might have some notes jotted down say, hey, wow, that was different. I wonder why. And, and then maybe return to that with questions the next day. So this, this constant participant observation that we do, we can, we can do that in life. And the observation and the listening part is truly um, remarkable and important to understanding other people.
0: Tell me this, if I hold myself out as being culturally competent, am I diminishing at all my own culture? Am I am I telling myself and the world that my culture doesn't count?
1: Absolutely not. I think the goal we want with cross cultural competence is to have perspective and to gain, to be under, to understand other people's perspective by not, but not losing ourselves in that, just not going native necessarily, unless we want to, of course. But the idea is that, no, I have my values and I have my culture and I can be very proud of that. But I'm also very open to the fact that other people are very proud of their perspective too. And it's kind of fun to, to find out what that might be. But no, don't lose yourself and and never give up what you're proud of.
0: You make a very good point about, uh, for instance, St. John's. It's a co-culture to the Naval Academy. There are other co-cultures out there Mm -hmm. that we can Quote unquote practice with, right?
1: Oh, yes. Um, So, one of the things I really enjoy doing um, in my intro class is I take my students not to St. John's, they can do that on their own. I'll I'll take them on a bus ride just down New York Avenue to Gallaudet University. And in case you know, you might know or the audience doesn't know, Gallaudet is a fascinating university, which is really um, for the deaf community. Um, And that would be deaf with a capital D. Um, They believe pretty strongly that they have a culture, uh, one that they're very, very proud of. And um, so they have some rules and there is etiquette. You know, you don't ever want to assume that a deaf person can read your lips because they have their own language and it's ASL, it's sign language. Um, And it's different from French sign language, although similar. Um, And so they really have their own culture. Some would say their own ethnicity. So I, I prepare the students for this trip, um, and I say, "See, we don't really have to go very far. Let's go to Gallaudet. By the time we get there, they're nervous wrecks because they realize they need to they need to behave in a way um, that is polite and certainly respectful, which shouldn't be hard. Um, but you know, some people think of deafness as a disability, and in the deaf world, it's not. And just thinking about deafness as not a disability makes it really hard for students to adapt to the university and the culture, and yet they do. Um, And so after the proper amount of preparation, um, I set them on a task to ask students questions and find out about their lives and spend a day of doing participant observation research. Um, And the great thing is they come back with a completely different perspective on what deaf culture is. Um, And to the point where I've heard they've gone back, um, they've gone to the games there, um, and they've made friends, long-lasting friendships out of just one day of opening up to a co-culture that is very different from their own.
0: So let's let's talk about the nature of all of these podcasts, which is ethics. What are the ethical implications? How does being cross-culturally competent lead to a better, more ethical leader?
1: Well, so... Um, For the military in particular, in ordinary times, um, it offers, cross-cultural competence offers leaders the ability ability to negotiate in multinational operations and also within their own diverse organizations. So so being cross-culturally competent allows you to do this on a daily basis, Um, but in unexpected times. The military leader needs to go beyond the daily operations. And especially as a Marine, you might understand sometimes you suddenly have to be diplomatic. Um, It's not just going in for the fight, but it's also to pick up the pieces and rebuild communities and be diplomatic or avoid any kind of conflict Um, and building interpersonal relations rather than warfare.
0: Wow. A lot of things to talk about here. I want to talk more. Uh, So let's do this again. Thank you very much for this conversation.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me on your podcast.
0: You've been listening to Ethics in the Naval Warrior, produced by the Boeing Leadership Innovation Lab at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. You can find more of our podcasts by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at USNA.edu.